0: good evening everyone here they
1: come hello 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 How's everyone doing
2: living the dream
1: (laughs) missing ghost ghost
0: hunts that's for sure
2: oh just yeah
1: we're getting back into this we're getting back into the season of the ghost hunts aren't we so it should be something to look forward to Um, you said it's
3: seasonal
1: (laughs) Wait, I I find that the winter seasons is more when the people come out to go ghost hunting than the summer seasons.
2: Yeah. It's all all in here. Yeah, but it's when people want to come out with us, isn't it? Yeah, I know,
3: but they're there all the time. They're not there just holiday period, oh, we're going on holiday, we stop.
2: Yeah, but you tell that to (laughs) our (laughs) guests. They've got busy lives too.
1: But no. But yeah, um, tonight, running the show... This ain't my show tonight. We're going to pass it over to Dan. He's running the show. So do you want to do the introduction, Dan, and, you know, give a bit of a spill what's going on tonight?
0: Yeah, of course I can. I will try and run the show, but I will need your help. That's <laughs> for sure. So um, we've decided at Portal to the Paranormal, as you probably see, we do quite a lot of podcasts with um, different celebrity guests from across the pond in the UK and various other locations. We've decided to launch a new podcast, which we're keeping it very basic and calling it the Paranormal Places podcast. So we are going to do a monthly podcast where we cover various places that are haunted, supposedly haunted, um, and also places that you can recommend to us as well that you'd like us to cover in um, some stories, try and get some information, share the the stories of the hauntings. Um, And we've decided for the very first one to go to a very popular location, which has been... um, Part of a hit TV series at the moment on BBC iPlayer and Catch Up TV called The Girl, the Ghost and the Gravestone. Um, I'm sure many of you have watched it, which covers the uh, Pennyford Farm in North Wales. Um, So I think Nando has got a little introductory video that we're going to play for you just to give you a a little bit of an intro. Here we go.
1: that's a good that was a good video i like
0: it, that it, it was a was very, very nice good com video so it will be added to the shows <laughs> um so yeah first question then everyone that's in the on the cameras at the moment joe dave nando have we all seen the documentary yeah. yes
2: yes yeah, so i binge watched yeah. it after you said about it
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah so i've i've watched it twice now um first time i was hooked and thought it was absolutely amazing and kind of fell down the rabbit hole of oh it's all real it's amazing i've watched it a second time to collate some notes for this podcast and i think my views have changed quite significantly after watching it a second time so i've got some facts just some very basic facts that i will read out to everyone that's joined us in the chat today um if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want to know anything then don't watch on because we're going to spoil pretty much most (laughs) of (laughs) you So the location we're covering tonight, as mentioned earlier, is Pennyford Farm, located in the remote area of North Wales. Uh, It was once claimed, as were many places in the UK, to be the most haunted house in the United Kingdom. And we hear that quite a lot with various places across the UK. Uh, There was documented more than 300 paranormal events. However, all of these documented uh, documentations were done by the Gowers, the family that moved into the house um, on their own. Um, and they lived in the house from 1997 until 2010. Uh, the residents of the house, the main residents were the, the male of the house, Dr. David Gower, who was a head teacher at a local school and also um, was a trained scientist and farmer um, you know ph- worked in a pharmacy as well quite a lot. <laughs> um, the housewife, his wife, uh, Rose Marie, um, who stayed at the house and looked after their adopted son, John Paul, who was a 15 year old male who um, had Down syndrome. So they were the three occupants that lived in the house. There were two other daughters as well that lived elsewhere that intermittently stayed at the house. Um, The key things that they experienced in the house, hearing voices, seeing shadow figures, um, but the most um, documented uh, stuff they experienced were uh, carvings on the walls uh, behind radiators and furniture. And some of these carvings disappeared over time or just disappeared within seconds. Uh, quite interestingly. A couple more facts um, there was a report in the very near area to where the house or the farm was located a sighting of the Virgin Mary. Uh, the people that claimed they saw the Virgin Mary then claimed they had cu- she had cured them of a frozen, frozen shoulder. Sole, shoulder well, You're even, doing
2: really well tonight, Dan. And <laughs>
0: cataracts. Um, I was on nights last night. I was still half asleep. Um, it then immediately, as a result of that, became a tourist hot spot with hundreds of people visiting the area, hoping to see the Virgin Mary. The previous owner of the house was a gentleman called Morris, and he claimed that he felt a present in the house, and the neighbours in the area when asked also claimed they felt an energy in the area. Um, And the last bit to mention were the Gowers that lived there sold the property in 2010, and the new owner of the property hasn't experienced a single thing in the house that's paranormal. He doesn't believe in the paranormal and has experienced absolutely nothing. So they are the facts of the house.
2: And also is on the line for the um abbey
0: yes the key route the monks would have walked that's the one um, (laughs) yeah and that was confirmed with historical documentation so that that is a fact as well um there are quite a lot of more information but i've got them just noted down as key points for us to talk about um throughout the podcast is anything else that anyone thinks i've missed as the key hard facts of the story
1: well, Sarah's just mentioned about the pregnant girl and what well, you've just said about the monk scene. Yes. Uh, but Sarah mentioned about the pregnant girl. Just before we go on, I always like to do it is just say hello to everyone that's dropped in. Yep. So we've got Mo. We've got Mo that's come in. Uh, hello, Mo. Damien. Uh, Sarah Guy. Sarah, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Uh, Gillian. And Gillian. So um, throughout the show, if any guys have got any um, opinions about what we're talking about, stick them in the comments and we will show them on the screen and, you know, we'll have a chat about it. And, um, but yeah, let's get into it then. So we know the facts. So what's the first subject you want to touch on, Dan?
0: So the first subject I want to touch on is something that I've known for quite a while, are uh, the kids. year old boy boy um, with down syndrome that lived at the house and was looked after by the month. Um Kids being a magnet for paranormal activity. What are people's thoughts on being a magnet?
2: I think it's not necessarily that they're a magnet. It's just they have not been um, opened up or told that things are wrong and that they shouldn't be seeing things and things like that. So it's not necessarily that they're a magnet. It's just they are innocent. So if they see or feel or hear anything, they've not been conditioned that actually you shouldn't be seeing, hearing, feeling that thing. So it's more an innocence rather than anything a naivety and as we get older we're obviously we grow to kind of oh that's not right we shouldn't be seeing that
0: yeah so something that stood out for me in the documentary was the bits where john paul would comment on the monk being unhappy and stuff like this to the family um and there's something that we quite often encounter is if somebody says to us i think there's a ghost in my house and we we would often say to them if you don't want to communicate with it, it, it probably won't communicate back with you. If you start trying to entice it to talk to you and start using equipment, then you're kind of opening a portal for it to then come forward and communicate with you. Do we think that potentially, if the house was haunted, the actions of John Paul talking to the monk and talking to the ghost may have been actively allowing it to happen? I'm just purely thinking on the basis that when he moved out of the house, the new owner said, there's nothing here, nothing's happened. Do we think there's a chance that John Paul may have been allowing that communication? to to be there
1: What do you think Dave?
3: It's possible I mean I don't know if any of you know my youngest granddaughter has Down syndrome and she regularly sits on the settee that is in line with my hallway and she regularly taps me on the shoulder points down the hallway and says who's that and there's nobody there but I know her sister, who would be 25, 26 years old now, she was born in the house, but she was still born. So is she seeing that? I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about um, Down syndrome to say, like Joe said, yes, she's innocent or he's innocent in, in this fact. Um, and she hadn't had it drummed into her that there's nothing there, you know. We, we just sort of say, "Oh, it's one of the kids" or whatever. Like or we we just sort of like, amuse her, pass thing with. Mm. But who's to say that she isn't actually seeing something, you know?
1: I, I sort of think you know if you look at ch- children as they're growing up, a lot of children have their imaginary friends, yeah. and like like said, so, like Dave just said we amuse the situation because then they don't know any different. And as they get older, they get told different things which may shove. But how do we actually know that they're not actually seeing someone or seeing something that they're communicating with? So, you know, that side of it is you've got to take on board. They could be seeing more than what we realize. And because we grow up and we see different things, we get told to believe in different stuff. I think that's where our minds sort of shut off until you step into the paranormal. Like I think something that all of us have got in common—the reason we're in it—is that we can say that we've sort of experienced something that's given us that, you know, that reason to be in the field. But the thing with John Paul, my only thing with with that is, you know, he—you know—the story you got to look at in two sides. How do we know the family wasn't influencing him into? saying stuff because you know he would want to you know surely he would want acceptance he would want to make his family happy so we don't know was he influenced into saying there's the monk there you know just to get it on camera so i think that's the the sketchy thing for me is you don't know what happened before that camera actually was switched on and they started saying about him saying about the monk and things like that
2: even when the camera was on the questions were very leading
1: yeah.
2: And I I think Sean done a very good documentary series for this one because she she was very respectful but she was very skeptical at the same time which I like and the questions she asked and I don't think she picked up on it but it was very leading questions that the mother had mm. with him when she was when she was asking him who are you speaking to are you speaking to the monk Mm. Of what? what is he going to say to that? Of course, yes, that's who I'm speaking to. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, and I think yeah. that's a very good point. We, you don't see, obviously understandably, you don't really see much of John Paul. And towards the end of the um, interviews, they never interview John Paul, which they, they can't do. It's only ever the mother, the two sisters and, and the father, despite him being quite unwell. And Sarah's raised a really good point in the chat there that surely it would have followed John Paul. Um and that's, that's a question that we could never really answer because you never get to answer, ask that question to him directly or ask the family. They don't really talk too much about John Paul. Um, I think they say towards the end that he's um, living in a care home. He went to a care
1: home, or, care a care home. home. yeah. Yeah. Um, the the, the only thing that, you know, with that, you're saying about the daughters, they come out, but they didn't come out until this documentary, you know. Um, and that's the other thing. If people witnessed it, especially like, say if my mum, for example, was going through something like that and I witnessed it with her, I'd want to stand behind it because they had a lot of people saying that it wasn't true, it was fake. But if the daughters knew it was something going on and they can see the mother's being told you're lying, surely you would yeah. want to stand with your parents and say, no, this is true because we can vouch this happened. It just seemed that she seemed to be the forefront of everything. Yeah. Um, and then the daughters didn't come out until years later, until this documentary, I believe was the first time that they actually went on TV to sort of give their side of the story.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that um, they, they only really stayed in the house intermittently and they did claim that some activity happened whilst they were there. But if you think back to the times that we first went to a haunted house like 30 East Drive, for example, you hear so many stories about that house. You go in with a preconception and then you start <clears> imagining things are happening. And, and I think there was a lot of that that happened. They kind of went to the house with all this hype that, oh, we're staying at the haunted house tonight. And then they claim they experienced stuff as well. I think there's a lot of kind of, yeah going in with preconceptions and hoping something will happen or imagining it happening it does um yeah definitely yeah
2: okay and we've seen that happen in a lot of haunted locations that we've inspected we've investigated with our guests you know where people have come along and they've thought that things are paranormal when actually we've been able to say no this is what it is yeah. And they've not accepted that explanation, which is fine. You know, it's their night if they don't want to ex- ex- accept that. That's fine. Mm. But in our findings, we were, we put in that it was we were able to explain that. But it's quite easily led. Mm.
1: Mm. No, I think that's the problem with with using John Paul as a as a witness to it. You know, we don't know how. If he was led into it or what the real with him and i think that would be a hard one to you know for anyone to sit down and say this is actual facts from him because he i don't think he'll be able to give a true count of what may have taken place uh most just said power of suggestion was very high in this case yeah yeah So definitely
0: yeah but yeah okay on to the next point um not too much to it october 1998 um, is the story of uh, Rosemary being at home, clearing up some old flowers that had dropped on the floor. <laughs> when she picked the flowers up, turned round on the floor, was a massive pile of dead bees or wasps that appeared from nowhere, despite there being no wasp nest or bee, beehive around the property. Um, there was not much said about that the first thing that comes to my mind is if, it, if I'm in a house and then all of a sudden there's a massive collection of dead bees or wasps the first thing I'm going to do is get a pest control or somebody come around to try and find out where these wasps have come from it kind of got skirted over and there was nothing to it yeah. um, there's part of me that's thinking if if they turned around that documentary and went a, a, a wasp somebody came around to try and look a, you know a trained professional came around to try and find the source of these wasps or bees couldn't find them it's a little bit more compelling that there could have been something weird going on here but it was kind of used as a piece of evidence that, to me, isn't evidence in any way at all. It's just a a bunch of dead wasps. And there's no pictures, no proof that even happened. Um, and when you look back in many historical films, there's quite often, even the one about 30 East Drive, there's quite often um, a story that goes along the lines with ghosts and bees or wasps and them coming together. And I, I think maybe that was just, uh, you
1: know, something.
2: And it's normally that. flies, isn't it?
1: It, yeah it flies yeah yeah I think that's that's what Moses yeah. say I can, uh, Mo just said I can understand couple of flies in the dead flies but why was it not followed through in there was a pile yeah. if there was a pile yeah. it it's, it's a weird one because again like you said it was very it was a very quick comment and then it was like quickly moved on what do you think Dave, to that part of it I, again there's no control. no
3: actual photographs to prove anything it's just all hearsay it's all all just written down um I, you know me i like hard facts i like it to be there proven in front of me so it can be seen touched, taste or whatever like you know well no <laughs> but you'd be able to see it you'd be able to feel it you'd be able to, you know you, you would know it's genuine Um yeah. in this case like you said all the films from the past have all had this um, insects and stuff like that being picked up when there's something bad or demonic or whatever like you know um and like you said that nobody got called in i don't know whether it's a an owned house or whatever like or if, it, or if it's a like a council no authorities got notified so yeah I, I think things like that just need to be brushed under the carpet and and forgot about, you know. If there's no proof, I'm sorry it didn't happen, you know. I mean... Uh, I
0: think, the other thing to consider is, where are you likely to find wasps and bees inside nice, pretty flowers? And if there's a, a selection of flowers that are dead, for all we know, she, these wasps or bees could have already been dead inside the flower petals and she's picked the flowers <laughs> up. They Sarah's just out. said that. Oh, that <laughs> said?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, Sarah's just said it as well, so
0: yeah that's an option as well um mm. i wouldn't put it down as paranormal myself personally
1: no i think it's a hard one because again it's the situation she's on her own again no one else has witnessed it and you know and for me that's like reading something from a movie script or something like you said you would see in a movie suddenly all these bees start coming out from everywhere do you know what i mean it's um yeah but that that's a hard one to be able to say that's definitely paranormal
2: and I know um, it's different now because we would be able to take photos with our mobile, but if it happened, even back then, I would have like swept the them up the yeah, just, and yeah, put
3: them. in a bag. Yeah. Just put them in a bag and said same. to Gary look like like,
2: This has happened, <laughs> yeah. where the hell have these come from? And left it to Gary to deal yeah. with. <laughs> but it would have been it wouldn't have just been me. I would have been like, Where is it, where where have these come from? Where what happened? It, yeah. But there was none of that.
1: No, definitely. Yeah. That that one, I think we we can easily say we you wouldn't be able. If that was us investigating, we wouldn't be able to document it as something paranormal because there's just yeah. too many uncertainties there with with that part of it. But yeah, It's
0: it easily explainable? Easily
1: explainable. Mm. Um,
3: I'd, I'd like something like that one. happen. Mm. I that would be impressed if that happened.
1: That would be cool, yeah. but again. Mm. You know it's just it's a it's a hard one i think that's one that like she did she was very quick to explain it and then quick, very quick to move on from it as well yeah so um but, but what it.
3: did what did she call uh, a pile or a heap or whatever i mean if you got a bunch of flowers and those flowers turn into these bees wasps insects or whatever it's gonna be quite a few was mm. there only one or two of them did she over exaggerate, you know. A couple of flies have dropped out of it, and all mm-hmm. the whole pile. Again, you know, not knowing the person, not having any proofs, we shoot away. Gone, you know.
1: Definitely, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, next point. Um, this one for me uh, rings a little bit more true. So we um, there's a report of during the wedding reception of one of the daughters. They have a little bit of a get together at the house. And they decide to move the headstone um, from the garden to somewhere a little bit more discreet and put it out of the way and hide it so it's not on show. They claim that after that happened, that was a catalyst for um, more events happening in the house. So for me, my first ever experiences of being at the paranormal was in a house as a child growing up. Um, We moved in there, weird things happened. And whenever we decorated a room, um, rearranged furniture, cut the grass in the garden, that evening or that day something very odd or bizarre would happen a paranormal event would happen in our house so the moving of furniture and stuff like that i i do you know i'm not saying it's true but i remember things like that happening to me when i was a little bit younger in a house so i can see that happening whether or not it is true or not it's unproven but it's an interesting point
1: Uh, you know i get i can get that when you know there's you can there's a lot of stories where people have adjusted something when they've moved in or there's a lot of stories where something's been changed and then it's caused like an erupt of energy to come forward and you know um, but again for me the only thing with that is the, the gravestone is outside the house so would it necessarily affect inside the house when you know do we know that this gravestone actually had any part of anything inside the house or was it something that was just outside um, that that's where when when they were talking about that bit but like I said things can happen and that that could ring true that part of the story uh, what about you two uh, little Joe what do you think
2: I I'm a bit like Dan um, in the fact that when you move stuff around decorate change a house in any way it can lead to some paranormal activity so it could ring true and again if they were having an event there a party there's a lot of energy there that's going to build energy into anything anyway like on our investigations when things are a bit slow or we're not getting anything what what do we always try and do
4: build energy exactly
2: (laughs) So they, yeah. they're already doing that, aren't they? So that would have yeah. potentially have helped as well or hindered in their case.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if Brilliant. you put yourself in the shoes of the Jane Jones, the girl who supposedly was buried on the grounds and who the headstone is for, and you are buried on, on, on consecrated ground because you can't, because of the being pregnant at 14, 15 story, um, you've got your headstone, and then all of a sudden somebody's going, oh, we don't want that around, we're going to move it away. If you because were, ghost, we're
2: ashamed of it.
0: Yeah, if you were a ghost, you'd be a bit like, hang on a minute, I'm not happy with that, and, and yeah. then may trigger things to happen. So it is a possibility that that could have been the root cause for some of the activity they had there. Um... You'll have to
1: read that one um, out, it's
2: too small on my I'll, screen.
1: <laughs> I'll read it if you want. Um, so Mo's just put, I believe in the ghost of the girl, um, gone more than other events i think there may have always been a ghost of jane on the property upset more by the movement and that may have been who they were seeing but the mum may have e- e- exaggerated yeah thank you the events. <laughs> oh my that was a, that was a hard word Mo, for me to do but yeah so do you know I, and i think that's what we were saying earlier on you know how much has the mum taken on other stories from around the property and added on to make it look like like, like she's the main attraction of the area in a way do you know what i mean but i like most comment i think that's that's a fair comment as well
2: and it would match with potentially the other people that have lived in that house or around that farm where they've seen or felt a presence <laughs> So, yeah, it could match with that. And, like, the monks, I do believe they're around as well, but I don't think it's in the way that the mum portrays it about you?
1: What about you, Dave? What do you think when it comes to the headstone movement?
2: See, I I want to
3: know They, she did her gardening and found the headstone. Why move the headstone in the first place to prop it up against your house if that's not a cry for attention. Look what we've got. We've got this, and trigger everything off. I can understand. You know, we're having a party. Oh, we don't want that there. Might scare people. Let's move it. And then you know, the girl's moving. I can understand that. But if a spirit is attached to that location, I think I'd get a bit pissed off. You moving my marker. Mm-hmm. You know, that that marking where I'm buried, um, I'd be really really upset about that, and I would do all I could to really upset the rest of the people that's doing it. Mm-hmm. I'd also question if I was moving into that house and that gravestone is prominent. It's like, oh, hang on a minute, do I really want to live here? Mm. you know, somebody's buried in my back garden it's all right burying your dog or your rabbit or your cat or whatever but to bury a human being you know i'd, I'd properly question that one you know. i probably wouldn't mm. buy the house but
1: yeah no no exactly i think sarah and mo agree with you dave with, mm. with what you just said that's that's cool but yeah i think that the gravestone you know that's if that was Are we saying then that potentially she was buried in the grounds there? Do we believe that she's potentially buried there somewhere?
3: Well, when they looked at the documents at the end, they actually said on there that there was a 14-year-old girl who became pregnant. Uh, It was illegitimate. um, Mm. And she died in childbirth. Now, it's a sin to have become pregnant back then, 17, whatever it was, whatever um, I, think, and, well, I think she she
1: was buried in 1778. Yeah, something yes. like that. I, I um, believe that was the year.
3: So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a sin to the church. So, it was like, you cannot be buried in consecrated ground. You've got to get yours somewhere else. So, obviously, the family just going to say, over to that daughter, or in our garden, done and dusted, like, you know. But, um, but, yeah, like you said earlier on, there was a a, a story about suicide uh, and again that being unlawful and stuff like that taking your own life but towards the end of it they did actually say that that address had a 14 year old girl that became pregnant and died complications due to childbirth yeah. what happened to the baby did the baby die they didn't say nothing about that yeah. not that i can remember anyway i might have fallen asleep by then but, Um, didn't say anything about the baby they just said the girl died during complications in childbirth so yeah.
1: so um i think she is buried there has always uh wondered the site possibly looking for her baby and saw john paul as a baby
0: Mm. and what's ideal that so i'll read you my very next point that i raised so Mm -hmm. i wrote Rose Marie, so although she exaggerated a lot of things, she did claim she saw a ghost in the garden, a young girl who was pregnant, which matches with the story of Jane Jones, died at the age of 15 during childbirth. Could she, be, could she relate to John Paul because he's A, the age 15, same age as she was when she died? Or does she see him as a baby from what she lost when she, well, she lost when she died for it? Or is she just looking for her child? So I completely relate with what Maureen said. And I think that's correct. And I I stand by the fact that I do think that she's buried on the ground because A, the headstone is enough evidence and B, if Rosemary was going to fake it, she would have had to gone through all of those national archives to find the dates and the details of the name of the person and make up a story. Whereas the facts are there and you could see that it took a lot of digging for them to get to the bottom of, is it an actual true story? So I don't think Rosemary saying she saw a girl in the garden that was pregnant is a lie. I think that's quite possibly true. And, you know, she's kind of seen some stuff that's real you can't take any of it for real because a lot of the stuff she made up is lies and it's that whole mm-hmm. kind of quandary of the girl who cried wolf, wolf in this case, you know, yeah. you're walk through because she's lies. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: And do you, do you think if that's the case then that the girl, uh, the spirit of Jane then um, was there and we we're saying about John Paul, do you think that she may have felt more of a, an attachment because John Paul being, you know, Down syndrome, you know, it might be classed as more vulnerable, so she had that drawn connection because she could sense that he would be more vulnerable to her presence. So could that be the case then, that why there might have been connection with him being in the house then?
3: Yeah, but he never said anything about the girl though, did he? He only saw the, yeah, monk. He saw um, the he monk. He communicated yeah. with the monk.
2: Um, I mean, this is why I think the mum has got, like Dan said, I think she's got a lot of Truth there, but it's in amongst a lot of lies, yeah. not lies yeah. but exaggerations.
1: Yeah. yeah, um, Sarah Guy's just said, um, she doesn't want to be forgotten, so that could be that's a valid point. She, she, you know, dying at a young age, she she still wants to feel she has a place. Um, and I think Mo's just, um, replying to the comment I just made about the John Paul's vulnerability, um, but yeah, it's. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I think you're right, there's an attraction there with John Paul maybe because of his disability, maybe. But like you said, Dave, he never made reference to her. So,
2: I think what what is nice, though, with her is the um, gravestone was found in the end after they buried it when they moved. Mm -hmm. And the new owner seemed to be quite respectful of that and was like, well, we're going to clean this up and make sure it it gets put in a rightful place. So that seemed to be a lot more respectful. So whether that helps put her at rest a little bit. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: definitely. I think, I think the, new, the new owner was very respectable, actually, to be fair, although it's probably going to give him a little bit more business now with his um his yerk company. He's glumping. yeah. <laughs> but I also think he could have quite rightly turned around to her when she comes to his house and said, look, that's a pass. I don't want any of this to do with my yeah. property. You know. It's my house now let's forget about it he was he was very welcoming which was good to see um and, and for somebody that was very skeptical he went off his own back to look for the headstone after she mm. left good to see as well um yes. the thing that stands out to me as well is there was also a report um, from one of the sisters that she woke up in the night and saw what she claimed to be a monk or a dark shadow lean, leaning over the um cot, for the her cot. Baby. um do we I mean I know there's been reports of monks seen there but do we think maybe... This could have been the the girl' spirit in the dark looking over a baby, um like we think she may have done with John Paul. You know? Didn't
2: Chan say that there was another case that from previous where they had had a monk figure leaning over a cop, so it wasn't the first one, and the daughter wouldn't have known about that.
0: Yes, yes, she did. interesting it's all interesting so
2: that to me kind of made that one a little bit more real
0: yeah Mm. yeah um the thing that stood out for me with that case as well though that that situation is the daughter who woke up and saw the shadows also admitted she suffers from sleep paralysis (laughs) and then said oh but it wasn't that this was different um i think as soon as you admit that you have sleep paralysis and you know these kind of night terrors it's quite hard to then differentiate, you know, take somebody's word that, oh, it wasn't that, it was something completely different, you know, it plays a big part in it. And I think that could also explain quite a lot is that she was probably just experiencing night terrors and sleep paralysis. Um, yeah, you know, so,
2: yeah, But I as think somebody from... that suffers with night terrors, it's very easy for people to dismiss you because of that. Yeah. yeah. And say, oh, well, yeah, it was just that when actually sometimes you you do know the complete difference and it's like, no, that actually was happening. <laughs> I was fully yeah. awake. I was fully with it when that happened, <laughs> and it's quite hard to kind of convince people. Sorry, Nando, didn't mean to interrupt. No,
1: no, no that's fine. You, crack, I was going to say something different. Is trying to, you know, it's all right for people that don't have like the, the the condition, and we we can make assumptions, but that could have been true. To, but again, can we really document that as something paranormal? Because we know that she has a condition that could psychologically play with their minds and make her think that she's seeing something. Cause we say it as well, like, um, you know, when we've done investigations at Fort Whitley, you know, you're walking down the tunnel and one minute you've got a bit of light, but then as you're walking to the darker part, your eyes start to adjust and suddenly you're seeing shadows. Could that be your mind playing tricks with you? And that's the same with this. If you're, you know, is it something that you are really seeing, or is it something that your mind's playing a trick on you in a way? I think that's the problem there.
2: And that's why you... I think Sean saying what she'd done with the looking back at the previous owners and finding a story very similar. Mm. Like she said, it doesn't provide evidence that what happened happened, but it causes doubt that it was sleep paralysis and actually could it have been something? Something
1: more. What do you think, Dave? About what? About back in the room, Uh, about her seeing the monk, but also saying that she has—is it sleep paralysis? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, See, the 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 thing is, sleep paralysis doesn't make you see things.
1: It basically
3: stops your body from moving at that moment in time. So people say, "Oh, there's a weight on my chest. That my legs are being held down." That's all part of the sleep paralysis. The fact that they can't move any part of the body. Night terrors, something different, totally isn't it, Joe. Yep.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so it, it. Poor old night, night, ter- night terrors is inside,
3: <laughs> your know, neurological side of it. But sleep paralysis is a physical restriction of the body being able to move. So if you see something, you think, "Oh shit, I can't move." That's the paralysis side of it. That's, that's just the the. Um, sleep paralysis, not anything to do with night terrors. And and how many times have we, when we've done investigations, we've seen a dark figure, you instantly think oh, it's a monk. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everybody mentioned it, oh, we've seen a monk. It could have been the girl that you see in a cloak makes her look like a dark figure. So again, I don't know what to take from that. I mean, it's not like the monk's turned around and shown himself and started saying mass over the the crib or whatever. It's literally just a figure leaning over the crib. So was it the monk or was it Jane? There's no reference to this big, tall, dark figure or a little, short, dark figure. It's just a dark figure looking over a crib. Now again how big is the crib if it's a modern day cot is it off the ground is it low we don't know I mean if it's a low one and they're looking over that's going to be a short person if it's a tall crib and they're looking over that's going to be a tall person so it, there's lots of lots of variables that um, can't be satisfied as far as I'm concerned you know yes she might yeah. have seen something but was it male was it female was it a monk was it a girl but there's there's so many things that can't be proven as such you know it's all word of mouth all hearsay what people are going to you
1: know but i think if we if we were to look at the story as a whole you would go more the logical side of it is it would be Jane because of the fact that she yeah, died. The that baby, there's a baby. Yeah. So if we if we looked at it as a logical and looking at the most reasonable story for a figure to be there, I would go with you, Dave, saying it was more likely to be um, Jane because, and and like uh, Mo said earlier on, she doesn't want to be forgotten. You know, so it, it that that ties in more to what's going on as a whole with the story than the monk. You know, yeah. so I, I get that, and I think that's a. Uh, I could shout
3: that. I mean, as far as that monk bit's concerned as well, it it was quite a vague route that they took from, I forget where it was, but from A to B, the, the, the route was quite, and it was like, oh, here's the farm over here, Yeah. but the route is over here. So it's not, in like Manor Farm is on the route from Winchester to wherever it is. It's physically on that route, whereas... The route that she planned out, the farm was off to the right of it. So is there a monk there? You know, I mean, would the monk have gone away from it? Because, I mean, it's only a farmhouse. There's no no chapel there, no, no religious ground or anything by the farmhouse. Mm-hmm. So why would the monk be going to there when he's on a route the other end of north wales uh to a a religious thing because they didn't stop at farms they stopped at churches chapels and monasteries and stuff like that
1: That, uh, that's a good show and then i think like um jennifer's just said um i definitely felt as though it was jane that was watching the baby totally agree that it a girl wearing a hooded robe so that makes the most sense from that side of the story i would say I yeah. so. could easy yeah. mm. Okay, could easily be a mistake.
0: Okay, on to yeah. the next. Ready for the next point? Let's go. But this one was quite interesting for me. So um, they claim that whilst digging in the garden, they found a human, a piece of a human backbone in the garden. However, they decided not to call the police because they wouldn't be interested because it was too old. Um, so thoughts on this? Do we think they? did find something which was potentially an animal bone and thought, oh, we can just pretend this is a human backbone. Or do you think they didn't find anything at all? And that's why they didn't call the police and they're just making out, we've got a body in the back garden that goes along with the storyline of Jane.
3: Yeah, I mean, how many archaeological sites (laughs) do you come across that has bits of bone fragments in the ground, not human, but food sources that they've been having? I mean, if this has been a farm for three, 400 years, there's going to be bits of slaughtered animal there that we've had for the dinner. You know, I mean, so, I, again, I always was under the impression if you found a piece of human bone, no matter how old it was, you had to inform the authorities who would then come and say, no, that's old, we're not, not interested. Uh, and the way that you go, you know, you carry on. Um, but if it's not old, that's maybe the case of a murder or something gone on there. So the police should have been informed, rather than just them saying, "Now we'll get on with it." Right.
1: Yeah. Mm. Well, what about fine. you, Joe? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm very much same as Dave to be honest on that one. It's yeah, it's farm, isn't it? Working farm.
0: And it's here so uh, they could say here it is in a bag. It was no. well, what would they do with it? If they've got a human backbone, where the hell is it?
1: You know. Yeah. Okay. It is a bit why wouldn't you report it? And then two, to you know, to justify the story that's going on there, surely you would want someone to examine it where they can confirm was this a human or was it an animal yeah. bone? So and if it's a human bone, you know, I'm sure they could still detect if it was likely to be a female or a male.
3: Oh, know, and, it, and I think it would
1: with, with everything that they reported it would give more substance and more prove that potentially yeah. this is something that is you know a true story like with regards to the girl being now I'm talking about you know so it's a bit odd that they didn't do anything and what have they done with the backbone still since? Yeah no one you know, They yeah, didn't that's say the others, they, Yeah that's that's what I mean it was just like that they came to find something that could be evidence but then didn't do anything with it so sort yeah. of because I I would the first thing I would want to do is find out more where did this come from so you mm. know are you dealing with something potentially human or well like Dave said being a working farm at the time like back in the day could this been something from a, a farm animal or anything
2: or a pet because so, yeah. how many of us buried a pet in the back yeah garden? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah so yeah so yeah so that's uh that's another weird one how they dealt with that
2: Hmm. And they're not really not intelligent people. That you know, he's clearly an intelligent person. So, and in the field of work that he's in, wow. he would know to what but, to do with that. Yeah,
3: and the he thing that. He didn't get involved, though, did he? It was mostly um
2: it was her, yeah. But they if, lived together. <laughs> yeah,
3: they lived together, yeah. I know, but like if uh, I found
2: but... a bo- bones in back garden. And Gary knew about it. And I just sat there and went, oh, yeah, i just put it in the bin. <laughs> Guarantee he would say something and say, no, we need to be, like, training yes. the police and stuff on that. Yeah.
4: I'd
3: be digging and the it. whole place up. I'd be digging yeah. the yeah. Whole, whole area up and say, okay, I found a bone. <laughs> I've also found 200 and some other bones. Yeah. Yes. I think you should come and have a look
1: at this, you know. but But the thing is, as they said in the documentary about the husband, he was a man of science. So yeah. surely that would have intrigued him. Coming from the profession that he comes from, you know exactly. he's not a stupid person, and they even said that he had degrees. The plan, you know he was very intelligent. Now, if you know someone's dug something in your property that you own, that could be something relating to the stories that you're claiming. Um, so you know, or someone potentially being buried, he must know people in the field that would deal with the the genetics or you know dna part being a yeah. man of science as they said so why would it not saying he has to get involved but in the background he could be like okay well let me talk to my friend that does this sort of stuff you know being a guy that's been in science all his life surely he would know something that would be like can you come and have a look and tell us or you know point us in the direction why wouldn't he do that why wouldn't they get that clarification yeah uh, most Mo just said they can date bones thousands of years old and the husband would know that they could find out for sure exactly so I just think it's a bit odd why and as they said in the documentary he was a man of science so that implies he was a very intelligent person so you know I just find that a bit odd and again they made no reference to what did they do with that backbone they told us about it on the documentary they said about what they thought but there was no afterwards there was no what, what happened after with the bone it was just like it was forgotten about which again yeah. is weird it's just weird how do we know that they didn't plant a bone there and then dig it up and then make out that they found it it just doesn't add up yeah and but the yeah. fact they haven't
0: got it that stands out even more to me now like where is it it's such, if it's such an important piece of the history of that house and they suspect part of the paranormal activity what do they do with a, a piece of human backbone Like,
3: <laughs> yeah, the, the wasps have eaten it
0: so so yeah
1: again it's it's another story that they've come out with that there's a lot of uncertainty there to to how real that part of it is you know so but yeah but yeah Yeah. that's my thought of it anyway
0: um so I put a bit down saying the only person who really went public was Rosemary. She was the only one that really, she went on the TV show. When they did the documentation around the house, it was very rarely the man talking. It was all her explaining everything. It was her that documented everything down in a little diary. Um, So it was very much led by her. Um, And I, I listened to some of the things that she said when they interviewed her. And One of the things she said was, it's a miracle we managed to sell the house with its story. Now the way she worded it almost came across like the story was put there by her. She she was emphasizing that there's a story that comes with it. And the other thing she mentioned was, we can't wait, we couldn't wait to leave. Or we when we left, we were so glad to say, thank God that's all over. But she took the owls with her. So if you lived in a haunted house and these big, massive owls were getting moved around the house, thrown in a fire pit, would would you take them with you to your new house, your new life, where you want to leave that haunted house behind? Would you take those owls with you? I mean, I know I certainly wouldn't if, if they'd been involved in some form of poltergeist activity, I'd be like that ah, they're staying um, the, but
2: I would say she didn't want to leave any of it behind because she's still done an interview.
1: well, yeah, true the The only thing that I would say when it comes to the owl part, so she explained that one day they come back in and the owl was thrown into the fireplace. Now, with it having like if there was bits of wood or coal, whatever, and then got the metal barrier, you would expect to see some damage to the owl. But when they showed it when in her new property, when Christine. they did the interview towards it, it didn't look like an object that had been thrown around because you would expect to see some kind of damage from the, the front angle of what we saw it from. You know, if it was picked up and then suddenly thrown then a chip or anything, but it didn't look like it had any kind of damage whatsoever. So again, it could
3: have been round the back. Though
1: it could have been, but it's quite a round yeah. object as well. Like if you think about the head shape and everything. So if that was thrown, it would cause some damage to a lot of the, a lot of it the would have out, its
3: feathers. Yes.
1: Yeah, I like that. It would have ruffled <laughs> the bed. Hey, Liz. Um, yeah, it, it just makes you question how real that story was, and again, you know. It's her that's told the story. No one else has replicated that story. No, because
3: that that was the daughter's husband, because she was on holiday in Eastbourne. Yeah, she was on holiday in Eastbourne with her husband, and the daughter's husband was in the house on his own. He'd gone to do something and come back and found that the owl had actually moved rooms even.
1: Yeah, I know Mm -hmm. they, they said about moving the rooms, yeah.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, she wasn't even there then. That's the bit that sort of threw me. So it's like, is he knowing on the story
2: or did so it actually
3: happen? You know?
2: Can I ask another question? Yeah. Um, we've all been in and around paranormal for a very long time collectively. Um, we've all experienced some sort of poltergeist activity. And I think the heaviest object I've seen move is like a bottle filled bowl. What's the heaviest object you've seen move or not maybe seen, but walked in on being moved? Like we've had the plates in uh, 40 tea rooms.
1: I I think, oh, yeah, the tea rooms, that was that was next level stuff. That was like, let's go home now and forget about what we're doing. (laughs) That, that that was my. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. That was, but I think going back to Sarah made a comment about one of the investigations that we did at Nams Cross Farm, where we yeah. were sat and um, in the room that we were all sitting at, they had these big, heavy, old-fashioned wooden tables, like the really long ones. Do You know, like the ones that you would sometimes see in like medieval films where they're sitting there. True at,
2: that. Yeah.
1: And we were no one was touching one of the tables. You had one in front and one behind us, and I think. The te- Was it the table behind it? It just literally just shifted. You
2: and I were on it, though. You and I were had our arms on it. So the argument could be said that they were using some of our energy for that.
1: Yeah, it could have been. But it did it shunt because
2: we tried to then shunt it and it was too heavy. We had to use both of our arms to shunt it in the same manner.
1: But then if we go back to what we were just saying about the the 1940s tea room, um me joe and the owner were stood on the left hand <laughs> side of the kitchen and so she, funny. she's got these she's got these big sturdy shells right where she had her on a brick on there, wall on a brick wall and they were they weren't on the edge but it was the plates in the middle suddenly shot out and smashed all over the floor now the good thing about what we can say there's three of us to you know document that and you know visually say um I think with them, it, it, a lot of their story is there's only ever one person or there's very few people to, you know, to be able to um, verify the stories that are going on. And again, I refer back to what I said. A lot of the stories come from, um, was it Rosemary or Mary Rose? Yeah. It comes from the mum more than anyone. Um, and when she did her, her TV bit, for me, it looked like she was having fun. Like she was, was, and if it was someone like you, we hear stories all the time. If someone's been traumatized or someone's getting sick, you would not be sat on TV laughing and having a having a good time about it. It's, it just makes me think: how real is that? If you're telling about a a severe ghost story that's going on, you know, would you be smiling and be happy?
3: Yeah, I'm going to say one of the daughters, the one that was on the barge, she got upset when she was relating. Her story, but um, because she again, was talking
2: about the son being in the cot, wasn't she? In the
3: cot, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Again, we, we don't know what they've been talking prior and how long after she actually got left and said, Oh, she's gone out crying, sort of thing. She's upset. Mm. If, if it had been filmed in real time, blah, blah 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 blah, she stood up, she's now leaving, and the cameraman's gone outside and followed her. I know it's not. PC, not polite, and every intrusion and stuff. But that would, to me, make it look a little bit more realistic instead of somebody going, oh, excuse me, I'm going to and get up and leave. And it's yeah. like, oh, she's, she's really upset. About you know, I mean, I've gone out of a room and I've been in absolute chopping agony. But <clears throat> I can't prove that. I can't tell people, I mean... My daughter's seen it, Jen, obviously, um, and and she understands where I'm coming from with certain things. But um, I'd like people to see it in real time. I mean, if, if I'm getting hurt, I want them to know I'm getting hurt rather than me going, just leave me a minute. I'm going to go outside. Yeah. Take take it away from the place, like you know.
1: Definitely. So, That's. So Moe's just said they sold the house for less because of the money that she made from the TV appearances, made yeah. up for the loss there. Um, so that that's a valid comment. And then I also like what Sarah's put on here as well. Um, I'm wondering why nobody has done a lie detector on the mum as it's been documented by lots of TV programmes.
4: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: so that, that that's a way to to prove that you're not, you know, and she, to be fair to the mum, she's a very good storyteller as well. But if she believes
2: the story she's telling, then the lie detector will not show that she's lying, because she truly believes that that's what's happened. Yeah. Because she's told that story, that exaggerated story that we believe is potentially exaggerated for so long, she now believes that that is true. So when she she does any lie detector, yeah, it will come through that it's the truth. Yeah. so i don't think that would work well, that's so,
1: a fair comment
0: yeah i was just going to add so i think maureen's response about um she made some extra money that's why they sold it for less was in response to um that comment there from jen so jen said when they sold the property they accepted a lower offer would you want to just lose money for a story um so i've got a little bit of statistics that i've been doing some digging on that i'm going to present to you now so here we go uh, <laughs> I'm sure everyone can remember um, It was way before me and Nanda were around I'm sure I'm not sure Joe. I can't remember However <laughs> 19, <laughs> 1977 can anyone Yes, remember what way before in, me Can At anyone all. remember what happened in 1977 With relation to a haunted house in the UK Does anyone know which one that is? It's probably it the first <laughs> the first UK Big paranormal story in a house It's not the MP I'm the MP, guessing MP, that's
2: Pontefract,
0: no, Enfield. Enfield. Oh, Enfield, yeah. yeah. So, um, the Enfield haunting. When that happened, the property value at the time, um, increased by a hundred thousand pound over the space of a week, based on the story that had happened in the house. So, they said there was a ghost and a poltergeist in the house. The value of the house went hundred grand straight away up through the um through the roof. Um, and there's a news report on the Wales Online who basically say. Having a ghost in your house can add an extra forty-eight thousand pounds to your asking value straight away, just by saying there's a haunted, there's a ghost in your house.
2: There's a ghost in my house.
0: There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no. Anybody want to buy it? <laughs> before,
0: before this family documented any paranormal activity, the first event that happened in the area was somebody said, "We saw the Virgin Mary in a field. She cured us mm. of some of our ailments." And all of a sudden, that area became rife with people visiting in minibuses, tourists. They all came around that area um, to look for this Virgin Mary. So my thoughts are the family went, I've got an idea here. There may have been some paranormal activity. We don't know. But they've gone, if we can make out that this house is haunted, we can sell this for however much we want. Everyone's in the area because of this sighting of the Virgin Mary. It's very easy for us to latch on to that um uh-huh. so when i come to my statistics i'm just going to read you out some details about other houses in the uk that are haunted and what it's done to their market value um what's maureen said 30 30 drive owners own more a year now than the cost of buying the house yeah so um yeah 284 green street enfield price increased 100 hundred pound within a week of there being a ghost story 39 degrees in Hull I think some people have been. I've never investigated it but I know it's still open for investigators now uh, the price of that house increased by 53 percent compared to the other houses in the street so when that came out saying it was haunted and there was ghosts there price jumped up by 53 percent the cage in Clacton-on-Sea I think they've stopped doing events there now but it's another very yeah. popular place 17 percent the price increased compared to houses in the same street 30 East Drive, so the house is at 30 East Drive. Average price is £121,000. 30 East Drive itself is currently valued at £145,000. So that is valued at nearly £30,000 more than a house next door because there's a ghost in the house. Um, And the most significant one, the Conjuring House in America. Um, So the owners bought the house for $440,000. They sold it for £1.2 million. And that was based nice. on the story of a ghost in the property. So wow. I've got um, I've got my own little view on what the family have done. Um, and I think that they've gone down this rabbit hole of, we're going to sell the house, pretend it's haunted. And when the property price was decreasing because nobody was interested in, the gravestone disappeared because they buried it in the garden because people come to view the house and went, ah, oh, this is a gravestone here. This is that batshit crazy house about a ghost. They buried mm. the gravestone in the garden and the, the new owner found it. I think... The housewife, Rosemary or Mary Rose, whatever she's called, she was at home all day on her own looking after John Paul, who had his, his special needs. And the husband was away at work doing his scientist y things. She was probably was at home. Teacher, I Sorry?
3: I think it was a school teacher,
0: wasn't it? Yeah, he was a head teacher, but he yeah. was also trained as science. So he was doing science. He yeah. did
3: pharmaceutical before he did the
0: school yeah. mm. well, I, I think she's at home in the daytime carving stuff into the wall um and then he comes home from work and she goes oh my god look that words just appeared there because i don't expect he'd walk in from work and go and check and go oh that wasn't there earlier or this wasn't here earlier i think she would have identified things and went look look at that that words just appeared like within the last couple of minutes and she'd done it in the daytime and i think eventually he'd come along with it and all of these weird kind of disappearing things were down to the chemicals that he had access to at the school and at the pharmacy to make things look like they were. Um, because what's interesting is when nobody was interested in buying the property, so they were trying to get rid of it as soon as they could. Apparently, because it was haunted, mm. they did it until 2010. That's a long time not to sell that property. And I, I generally think that they just took a hit. They made a hell of a lot of money from being on newspapers, TV shows, radio programs, like Maureen said. And that covered the deficit of what they lost for the house value by selling it for less.
2: That's why That's if view. they got paid for it, for them, because they, they might got not paid. got paid.
0: But I do I do also believe there were some genuine paranormal activity happening there, but it's really hard to decipher the real from the not real because there were so many lies attributed to it.
2: Yeah, I definitely don't think it was like they say it is yeah. same as like other houses, like thirty East Drive. I don't think it's as prevalent as they say it is. I know some nights are better than others with any location. But, yeah, I think it's definitely not as bad as they think it was.
1: And I think with this house, it's since been sold on. And the new owner, he's actually opened up a glamping site as well, attached to the property. And when she asked him, have you witnessed anything? His immediate response was no. Yeah, And the gravestone, the gravestone was still situated at the property as well. You know, so surely if it's an attachment, because they've not witnessed anything since moving away from the property. So we know they can't use the terms of that they the, the spirit is attached to them because it's with them at the new, you know, especially where the owl's there with them, you know, at a, for a period of time, the son would have still been with them before going into a care home. Um, but then the new owners not reported any kind of evidence. so. Does something just really stopped because the families moved out and nothing ever happens, but the gravestone was still there. They dug the gravestone back out and pulled it out to where it was buried. Yeah. Um, and nothing's come to light about, you know, the, you know, and the only thing I would say, she stayed there that night. And even she said she thought she could hear something, but is that because she knows where she is and her mind's just going a bit, you know, cause she was unsettled and everything. But it's yeah. just amazing. They've moved out, and then suddenly all the stories are stopped. Nothing's been yeah. reported in that house. And there's not been, like, massive, massive change. They've changed the interior, but the actual land itself and what the house was built on it is still all the same.
3: Yeah. You know,
1: so does that really just stop just like that? I don't know what you guys think about that. It
3: depends. I mean, if if they are feeding from um, John Paul, the young lad, the are bouncing If they're feeding from his energy and he's now gone away and taken away, we don't know what's happening in this accommodation that he's in. Yeah. Something could still be with him. He he could still have the monk attached with him. I don't know. There was no mention of him. It's like he's been brushed under the carpet and is now not with us. And, you know, um, maybe she should have followed that up to see if anything's happening at the the care home there is in.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a good idea. It would depend um, on
2: how how his Down syndrome is affected and how mm. his disability is, because it may be to the point that actually he can't, he's non-communicative for whatever reason, because he might have more than just Down syndrome. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I, I'm assuming she would have tried to follow that up. But, but I
3: mean, it, I know you've got different severities. I mean, my granddaughter's non-verbal. Uh, Down syndrome, but she can say a couple of words. Mm. Some of the words are hard to decipher what she's saying. So this old ed's trying to figure out what all these bloody signs mean and everything. I've got no it, chance. on. Yeah, I've got yeah. no chance of that. <laughs> I, I think all I know is like thank you and. Um no naughty, and yeah, all the bad ones <laughs> you're doing this wrong, like um and but,
2: pig <laughs> yeah, that one. That one, yeah.
3: <laughs> Our, our favourite chocolate, you know, chocolate yes. and biscuit, <laughs> you know. But um you know, again, depending on what his vocabulary is like, is he just saying because he was playing on the PlayStation? Is he trying to relate something to the PlayStation that they've said, oh, talking to the monk? I mean, I sit in I sit in this room every night on my computer, headphones on, microphone on, and I'm talking to Jim over in Canada and bloody Bobby over in Wales, sort of thing like that. The wife doesn't know what I'm talking about, but she hears me saying different things. Mm. Is this something that they've just heard and thought, "Oh, goodbye, the monk," you know? So, I mean,
1: I I, I think I think the thing with with John Paul if we if we go down the if we speculate that this is the host um caused by the family, especially the mother, could she have taken it to that step forward that that step further thinking well if I can get my son who is Down syndrome to clarify a few words because his words were very minimal, yeah. you know, the monks on it, could she have led him like like you said, when they questioned him, it was very leading, but could they could behind the camera? Or before recording, preempted it and saying, "Can you say this when we ask you this?" You know, yeah. could they have could they have coached them so when they record it, they think it's going to give him some credibility using the fact that he's disabled, he's got Down syndrome, using that as a way to make the story sound more real. I know it sounds awful to think that, but the unfortunately, people up,
3: there's people exactly,
1: up. you you can't say that that's not a possibility because there is people. That will do that to vulnerable people to gain advantage. You hear stories like this all the time, you know, like the elderly people. You know, they have someone that comes in meant to be their carers, but they're abusing them by taking their money off them or you know doing stuff that they shouldn't be. So it's hard to tell what's going on before the recordings take place with John Paul. It's it's a hard one. Um, Most just said that's why they won't interview him now because he will tell the truth. So. That, okay. That's a possible as well. My mum told yeah. me to say it, you know, mummy yeah. told me to do this. It's Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think, Dan?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I alluded to it a little bit earlier on that, yeah, he was he was not really mentioned ever again, other than, oh, he's not with us now. He's in a care home and that's it. But they quite clearly still have a lot of contact with him because the daughters were saying they still see him and, he, you know, mm. But it's hard to hard to say because we don't know what state he's in. Like we say, whether he can communicate properly or not. So, for me, I think um, I think the new owner did a fantastic job in not saying, "Yeah, it's really haunted around here" to promote his yurt company because the show was kind of. I think every paranormal investigator in the UK has probably watched the documentary. And if he turned around in that and said, "Do you know what? We get so much activity around here. The yeah. yurt <laughs> flying off the shelf." Um, for people going to stay there and, and, and you know wanting to witness stuff themselves, so fair play to him for being honest and saying no, nah, there's nothing here, you know, but still come and say my like, yeah, which is really really good. Um,
2: but I think I he think... will still get investigators going just yeah. out of curiosity now as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, th- yeah, we... I think
1: let's be fair. If we were driving that way and we knew, we were I'll going be to staying pass, there. How many of us would want to say, shall we just stop off and knock on the door to see if he'll let us look around or, you know, see.
2: we Should we do a PTTP you know, outing? <laughs> out <laughs> How many of us you know, can fit the in yet?
1: <laughs> you know, I think I think every one of us would still, even though we have our different beliefs and you know, what could have happened, but I think as the paranormal investigator, we would still want to go and approach it and see, you know, like Dave said, he wants to see factual evidence I think we would still want to just in case there could be I want to stay in the yeah. yeah. I, I don't I I I don't think I would stay there overnight. You know, it took a lot <laughs> out of me stay it took a lot out of me staying in that, that nuns cross farm in the room on my own. I, that was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I,
2: that After was that table fun. moved, I was like, right, I'm going to bed now. Night. <laughs> on your right I
1: I can't believe that he just went off and then just went to sleep. He was gone. That was it. But, um,
2: I didn't sleep that yeah. night if that makes yeah. you feel any better because it was too bloody cold.
1: <laughs> it was. It was freezing. It was uh, very, very cold. Um that might be Brian. Hello, Brian. Um, but no, it's uh it's definitely one that you would still want to go and check out, I think, just to see yeah. um if anything happens. And do you think like would we pick up more? I I personally think if there's someone buried outside, I think it's more likely you you may pick up more activity outside where she was placed than you would inside the house. Because if they're saying that there's body remains there, surely that would be a very high place to investigate. What, What do you guys think?
3: Yes and no. but I mean, if your physical remains are in the ground, but you were happiest in the coal hole, would you not want to spend more time in the coal hole rather than on the ground? Yeah, true. You know, what I mean, true. if it was if it was me, I would want to be where I was familiar with and comfortable with, rather than be stuck out in the garden, sort of thing, like you know. Yeah, no, definitely.
0: But I think yeah. the key thing is when when you look at all of these haunted places there's an opportunity for groups to go in there and investigate, and then you can make your own minds up. And it's really hard to make your mind up on just a documentary where you can't mm-hmm. actually experience anything yourself. So I think I think it would actually be really beneficial to try and maybe stay in the yurt. And I'm just thinking now, so we, we've we only just come back from North Wales. We, this documentary was launched like a week after we came back, and we've booked to go back for a whole week next year now to North Wales. So I think we've got Lauren's mum coming, so she can watch the kids. I'm thinking me and Lauren should book the yurt for the night go live do it. as PP and do an investigation because the yurt is pretty much on the grounds of the farm. It's right there. I think yeah. maybe we should do it. I'll look into it. I'll see what the price is like before the prices go through the roof there um, and maybe see if we can get a night up there. That'd be really good.
1: That that would be great. And, um, you know, like like a day trip, like Lawrence just said, just even to see if you could pick anything up during the day as well. Like yeah. just walk around the grounds. Um, but but I think it was a great documentary. Don't get me wrong, yeah. I think it was uh, a great documentary. But for me, th- there's still a lot of uh, question marks that you can put in different
4: sections.
1: And, and like you said about the words on the wall, how easy could it have been with him having access to different chemicals, you know, that could create those symbols, the words, you know? And they're saying that, you know, one of their you know comebacks was about the words everything was in Welsh we don't speak Welsh we don't know Welsh but how easy is it to grab a dictionary and just find because a lot of the words were like you know I think there was one that was something to do with religion but you can easily yeah you can get it from a book and then just copy it in Welsh and then say that suddenly appeared again there was no physical evidence to show that it was coming through and they weren't doing anything um, and I think that's the thing, with him being a man of science, that throws a lot of doubt with the wall of all the words and symbols because we he we know he had access to chemicals and everything that he could have. And now, you know, you wouldn't be able to get a true story from him because he has since had a stroke and I think it's yeah. left him partially, was it brain damaged or partially, yeah. So, yeah, you can't
3: yeah. remember much that happened apparently.
1: So, um... so the only real stuff that you're going to get is from the wife. You know, the only one... And again, leads back to the one that led most of this story, was the wife. Um, uh, If you live in Wales, as English speakers, there is no way you wouldn't have a dictionary at hand. Mm. And even more, if
0: you're a teacher at a school in Wales, like, you know, interesting. It's an interesting one. But I I agree with what you said, Nando. to be fair, that... I think we all know as paranormal investigators, when somebody asks us about ghosts, everyone takes a piss. It always happens. I'm I'm used to it all the time. And you watch TV programmes on TV at the moment that promote ghost hunting and it's everything is paranormal. This is paranormal. That's paranormal. The documentary was done really, really well in the sense that they debunked a hell of a lot of stuff and said, well, could it just be this? Could it just be that? They didn't go, it's 100% paranormal. I'd like
2: to invite her, though, to one of our investigations.
0: I I I have tweeted her. Have you? Um, from the account, yeah. To say you're welcome to come to an event with us. Um, I I didn't really like that. I thought it was brilliant that they included another paranormal group from Wales in the footage, but they mm. just sat on a Ouija board. She wasn't on the. There's Ouija board. so much
2: more to it, and yeah. a Ouija board can be easily, easily influenced.
0: Yeah, yeah, and especially, the, she, this this group have been approached by the BBC to be on a documentary, and they say we're doing a documentary, and we're interested in following the roots of the monks through Wales and this stuff, and then that gives the group a chance to go right. We're going to sit on the board. This is going to come through. This is going to come through. Like, it, yeah.
2: Not saying that is what happened, but no, of
0: course, not. <laughs> but, you know,
2: being sceptical. Yeah. There's there's Kids. so many more
0: things they could have done rather than just sit on a Ouija board on camera. Yeah. Because everyone watches it and says the same thing. Well they're just pushing that themselves. Like, you
2: know. Thing is, for all we know, there could have been more that was that was done, yeah. but that's yeah. the only bit that was filmed. If and so it can... would be a shame if that was the case because I don't I think Ouija boards, especially when whenever we do an investigation, <laughs> the team don't go on the Ouija boards or any of the like glass divination any of it for that exact reason yes. of well actually we could be manipulating that and it's your night so yeah. it's only when it's team nights that we'll do the experiments or when the guests say no we really want you on it for whatever reason mm.
1: yeah and like, like lauren said about the plan check being pushed and the cameraman questioned it um you know that the Ouija board is easily influenced by people on there. I think that's the thing that we've got to be very careful. And I think Dave said this to me a number of times because um, what you try and do, Dave, is you don't you don't sit in on the Ouija board, do you? You just watch yeah. what they're doing, and then you can sort of pick up who's doing what. You know. So that's about. And then the other thing about um, Mary Rose or Rosemary, Rosemary,
2: Mary, Rose, Mary? Mary Rose, Rose, I think. Mary Rose, yeah.
1: Yeah, she made a comment that, that they were actually approached by Hollywood as well to yeah. the featured film, but they turned it down. Now, would yeah. you really turn it down with the amount of money that Hollywood can bring Dolly, to your dollar signed, uh... and, and just previously, they said that they were taking a loss on the house, you know? So I think, did Hollywood really get in touch with them? Or was that another story that she made up to okay. make it sound that, to try and give her credibility of her story as a whole so the more people she thinks that she can say that they got in touch with her it gives her more credibility about her story because again that was a very quick thing about oh it was hollywood but she didn't go into a lot of detail about who what they actually wanted to do she just said oh they want me to do this i said no way and that was it and then it was moved on very quickly again so again it just makes me question how real was that she yeah so Mo said she would go on Kilroy talk show, but not Hollywood. Yeah, right. So there you go. So she'll go on the talk show, but, but with Hollywood, with the amount of money you can get, that that would have set them up for the rest of their lives, you know. Mm-hmm. Really, would you really turn that down? I don't think so. But yeah, that's my I mean, opinion there about that.
0: Out, out of interest, out of the four of us or anyone that's joining in the chat, does anyone know anything about this story until it was on this documentary? Had anyone ever heard of it before? Because I have. No. And, and when they say this was one of the UK's most haunted places, if Hollywood were interested in doing a, a film, like they were the Enfield House for The Conjuring 2, was it, I think, or one mm-hmm. of the Conjuring films based on the Enfield House, and obviously the 30 East Drive House, you hear the stories about these places, the Grey Street, I've heard of that before, the Enfield House. I'd never heard of this story until the documentary, and, mm. you know,
1: I, I, I think the first we heard it is when you put a, you put a message in the group chat. You know, you were saying that you were watching this, and then me and Sarah watched it. And then by the f- end of the first episode, you automatically want to see what happens next. What yeah, other yeah. stories is going to come out? And then before we knew it, we watched the whole. I think it's four episodes, but yeah. they're not very long, are they? Half no, hour. Then, yeah, about half hour. But then before we knew two. it, we, we watched all of it in one night, and it. Sometimes you watch stories and you're like, you can you can explain it all in your own head, but this one was like, there's just so many uncertainties. Yeah, and I I got to be honest, if we if we was to wrap what I think about the show, I think she was the main instigator to build a whole story, and got people just to when when she was getting doubters, that's when the daughters start coming up with their story, using their son's disability as a way to make it more credible. But that's. That's the more of the path that I'm taking with it. <coughs> but what about you guys? What would you say your end thoughts are?
3: It's a big con.
1: Really? Yeah. <laughs> it just says well, that yeah, as it I is. Mean, it's, it's just well, yeah, a I mean, con.
3: I, I, You know me. I say it as I see it. And to me, that was like... I've had my 10 minutes of publicity on the TV and people know my face now and everything else. Um. I've gone as far as I can. I've now got to move out. You know, I mean, just the the, the thing was just far too open ended, you know, yeah. I mean, and there wasn't enough physical evidence. There. It was all, like you said, Jack and Ori, all a big story. So, yeah, I'm
2: I'm not, not buying it.
1: Not buying it. What <laughs> about you, Exactly, that, you know. <laughs>
2: I, I think there is elements of truth, but a massive, massive exaggeration on a lot of it. And like Dave said, no evidence for a lot of it either. So, mm. yeah. And I think Sean, like I say, had hats off to her. She done a great job on that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So just reading that, being real investigators, we can look at all paranormal stories with sceptical eyes. General public can be by TV shows. Very true. Um, But Dan, what's your end thought about it all?
0: Yeah, similar to what I said before, I think that um, there's, I think firstly, the the BBC and Sean did a fantastic documentary. Can't fault the documentary in any way at Mm. all. I think it was pretty good. Um, And I think, yeah, there's genuine paranormal activity that happens at that place. And the Jane Jones story is real in my eyes that she was buried there. She died during childbirth. Um, But I think the family blew up a lot of what happened made a lot more to the stories to try and get more publicity and make a big story out of it and when they realised it it wasn't really going anywhere they moved out, sold off and moved on with their lives and didn't say anything else ever since Um, so yeah I think think there was a lot of as I said earlier on that I'd never heard of it before I think there was a lot of hype around the farm when it first happened then when interest died off you never heard of another paranormal event that happened in that place and you never heard of the family again until this documentary's kicked off and I think that says it all. That you know, there's not
1: much there. But I think very good. Documentary, so. Yeah, it was a great but How long did it take for her to be able to actually reach the mother? The mother yeah. wasn't very forthcoming to start with. It wasn't towards the end. That's when the mother sort of come forward. And that that's you know, was she trying to recall everything she said so she didn't trip up and you know cause she it's been the a diary is.
3: She had a diary, okay. she had it
1: all written down. She's, so she most all there just going through just everything. bit of own refreshing. work through the diary, you know.
3: Yeah, I mean. Yeah. And uh, again, she would have been paid for that BBC interview as well as the BBC documentary. Mm, I don't know what definitely. sums of money, but, you know, we're, we're talking five A pretty penny. Money, you know? Yeah. Yeah,
1: definitely a pretty penny she would have got mm. for that. But yeah. The, but other, no. the other
0: thing I found interesting is they asked the neighbours about um, Rosemary and the judge of character, and all of the neighbours said, oh, we think she's doing it, which was quite yeah. interesting. They all think that she was making it up, so, yeah. It's that I mean, hard it one.
3: Be, yeah, I mean, there can be energy there. You don't know whether it's on a ley line or wherever, so people are going to get a vibe when they go there anyway. And no, it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's it's haunted, you know, I mean, it, it, there could be an underground spring or something there that causes that energy. We don't know. Without doing a A geological survey as well which you might pick up the bones then as well so that'd be handy yeah (laughs)
1: Yeah, definitely but no but yeah Yeah.
0: so so i guess the key thing going forward now then is we need to know what everyone else that's been watching or what the team what we want to do next what, what venue we want to discuss in the next podcast
1: yeah i think what would be great is for people that are watching, if you know of any stories or any locations that have been similar to Pennyfold Farm, you know, get in touch with us and let us know, and then we can go away. And what we're thinking about, is it what we're going to do this once a month? This?
3: Yeah, I think so. This, uh, yeah.
1: Where it's going to be specifically about locations, Um, you know, and we would love you guys in the audience to get involved and we'll go away and do our, you know, little looking at, do, you know, researching the locations, place. what we can find out, and this is what we want to do every month is just talk about certain locations, the stories. What do you think could be real? We'll definitely have Dave back on because I think you know he, he's great, little Joe, and then hopefully more of the interesting because I know wanted to be part of it tonight, um, but he got called into work. But it'll be great to do this on a monthly basis. But let us know what locations. But I think the ones that we should hit next would be. You know, something, again, that was very well-documented was the Enfield Hauntings.
2: Enfield or 30 East Drive would be a good one because we've been there and it's got the film and...
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think think
0: so. The next one, for sure. Which Um, one? I think we do 30 East Drive next and then it gives us time to do some more research into anywhere else that people suggest. So, like, Enfield... you know, there, there may be places, so like Maureen, for example, that's back up um, Tyneside way. If there's a venue up there that you want us to look into, we can reach out to the paranormal teams that investigate that and get them on the podcast to tell us about their experiences of a location. You know what they mm-hmm. know.
1: Yeah, we can get many people involved in this, which would be good. If Maureen wanted to as well, we could do one on Antwerp Mansions, and you know, if Mo wants to join in on that because she comes to us with that one didn't she so and that was a good location i think uh, yeah especially in the basement area uh, that was a bit weird but yeah um let us know um but so yeah i think that that'd be great so we we'll are definitely put a post out on facebook um about location so if there's anything you want us to look into uh put a note and then we'll discuss it amongst the team and then we'll do a follow-up a month from today shall we say yeah yeah sounds good to everyone be. good with that dave
3: can't promise. This is my gaming time.
1: Oh, oh, <laughs> we're sorry. Um, so that's a yeah. yes.
3: Uh, it's a maybe.
1: I said Antwerp was weird, so I think that would be yeah. a good one to talk about. Um, we'll but just be, yeah, but just before we wrap up, for Portal to the Paranormal, we are back on location on the 16th, 16th? of September. We will yes. be at Merchinson Hall in, is it in horndean? yeah, yeah. you yeah. know so i there are still places available um and we've got some other great locations a bit further afield but we've got shire hall we have derby Joe, is that right yeah
4: yeah. You know,
1: yeah so we've got them coming up so if anyone wants to join us if you don't know what we do on investigations and you have a couple of questions and that's what's stopping you from coming on an investigation reach out to us we can explain how we run the evenings and it's a good time and if you don't know if you believe or not this would be a great way to find out what could be out there um but yeah so definitely check out our facebook page and then you go over to uk, and that's got a list of all our events there and you'll see us lovely people there as well what more could you want you know so we have a great team um absolutely we all have a laugh and i think that makes the night even better But yeah so
0: And for anyone around, there'll be lots of spirits at Port Solent tomorrow night because some of the team are (laughs)
1: going, like, we're going to be out for a few drinks. So, Not me.
2: I'll be in Kent. (laughs) Uh,
1: Do you know what? Since you've been married, you've been a bit of a letdown. What's going on with you? It's
2: not my fault. Like, (laughs) you guys keep (laughs) arranging stuff when I'm busy. You don't arrange stuff when I'm at home.
1: (laughs) Maybe that's
2: my plan. Can you, can (laughs) you come back
1: to us? Can you come back to us and let us know when you can fit us in your diary, please? You know, being so popular and
2: all. <laughs> I'll send you a yeah. screenshot of my diary. Should I?
1: Oh, thank you very much. You're very, welcome. But no, but no, it'll be great to see everyone because um, we haven't done an investigation for a while now, have we? So it's going to be great to see everyone. Um, and I keep saying it: September, October, November is sort of the prime <laughs> time to investigate. Hey. <laughs> It's I've like 122
2: days until Christmas. Like,
1: uh, Okay, let's end the live now. I'll see you a lot yeah. later. <laughs> <laughs> <Let's-> <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> that means money. A lot of money, wow. We've um, got Halloween first. No, Halloween. That's the most important thing for us. For the paranormal Halloween event is going to be a great one because it's one that none of us have ever investigated. It's the Gurkham Museum in Winchester. And I'm looking forward to that. that. That's going to be a great one. So... Again, if you want to see a list of events, check it out on our website. Um, uh, Maureen, just say, why can't you have one next week when I'm down there for the week?
4: Well,
1: hmm. oh, we could go out somewhere local if you want. If everyone's free next week, we can do something local. Good to see you, Maureen. Yeah, we, we can do Are you back next week, miss? Mrs?
2: Um, I don't think I am. Oh, no, yes, next week, next week, I'm in Exeter.
1: <laughs> oh, you know, whatever. That's it. But done. I'm
2: here the week after next.
1: Yeah, so you know, we'll we have a look. We'll home, digging. Yeah, Lauren's saying about Vicky Park. So, you know, we yeah. can see if we can arrange something with Mo as she's Lack down. Of, that'd Lack be great. Ooh. Oh, Maureen's
0: in Southampton, Tuesday and Wednesday. Ah, oh, I'm off Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday. We'll meet up for a coffee if you're around.
1: There you go. We've Where's been blown place? out
0: then. Oh No, you can all go. We can all meet up for a coffee. I don't know if people are back at work.
1: I don't drink coffee. All right. We'll go for a <laughs> pint. <pipe. laughs> but no. Um, we'll definitely do in. one of them evenings. That'd be cool. Um, but no, what a great first start to a new show for Paul. I think yeah. that was great. Um, so... I would say everyone check out the Facebook page for the upcoming one. We'll get one set up very soon so everyone can see what we've got planned. Um, oh, Diana, I'm in Australia. When are you here? Oh. 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 Are you, you, you going to put us If you're going to put us all up. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Let's go. What kind of places in Australia do, you know, haunting places in Australia, do, you know, that would be a you know, we can look at locations over there to talk about as well on the show. We've got to do the UK first,
2: good. I think. I think the UK's been uh, yes. abandoned by us a little bit.
1: Yeah, we're, we're hit around the UK first. Um, but no, it's been great. I'm reading in Reading the rest of the week. So that's my... We'll figure it out. We'll figure something out. So, but no, it's um, it's been great face red heart oh that's an emoji i think from because youtube don't do emojis do they oh, so okay. i think he's just giving us a red heart for the show but no it's been great it's great start to a new show we're looking forward to more to come so Dan, dan's going to be the main host so he's going to be taking the lead on these ones i think so we're just going to follow your lead <laughs> sir so you better come prepared for everyone that we do now.
0: Well, I'm just about to start my new job, so I'm going to have to juggle this. But oh, you we'll got a new there. job? Yeah. He announced
2: yeah. it in the group.
0: Yeah. Okay, sure. Where was I? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Congratulations. I oh, know you didn't announce
2: it in the group. You announced it on your Facebook.
1: I put it on Facebook, yeah. Oh, I didn't see it on your Facebook. You I not? think you
2: commented, oh. didn't you? Oh, no, you I, did. You I did. I did comment.
1: You. Yes, I did. I did comment. Sorry. You I don't remember what you're on about now. <laughs> uh, thank you, Rashi. Congrats on the new job. Um, but no, that's brilliant. So I think we'll wrap it up for tonight. Um, as always, thank you for everyone that's joined in tonight. We really appreciate it. Um, it's been fun, and we will see you soon, either on an investigation or on another podcast. What are we naming this podcast, Dan? The
0: uh what's I got uh, the Paranormal Places Podcast? The PPPP.
1: We <laughs> so we, we'll definitely be. Um, I think the next set we're going to set some new intros up for it. Yeah. And then we'll get swinging. But it's been great tonight. Thank you, everyone in the audience. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we'll catch up with everyone real soon. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. See you guys later. Hi everyone. I can't Bye. Begin you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're sorry, Dave. But we'll let you go now. See everyone safe. later.
3: Bye.